get it. I understand your cynicism. I got it. You're thinking this is a preacher trick. So when people ask, hey, what's, what's your preacher preaching about? How's this sermon series? What is it? It's awesome. <laughs> you have to say, okay. So anyway, but that's what we want to talk about. He is awesome. He's worthy of our awe. And so this is based off of a devotional reading I did last January. It's a book by Dick Eastman. It's a devotional, 31 days. I did it 1st of January. If you're going to read anything by Dick Eastman, read his book, The Hour That Changes the World. That, his book on prayer is a wonderful book. But this is a, you don't have to read this. You might want to pick it up. But it's every day a different name, a different title, a different understanding of the nature, person, and work of Jesus. So that's, that's what we want to do over these weeks together. As Lori gave us a great hymn this morning to begin our worship, that second verse, we just want to look at Jesus. That's going to be the heart of our time together over these weeks. That's really what we've done the last several years. Three years ago, uh, we had looked at, the, in January, what were the first things Jesus did? What do we see in his life, and how can that be our life. And then a couple of years ago, we looked at his middle ministry. What do you do when you're stuck in the middle? What did Jesus do in that, in that time when you're just gutting it out? And then how, how can we learn from that? And then last year, uh, we looked at how do you finish well? What do we see at the end of Jesus's public ministry that needs to inform how, how we're to live and how we're to respond? And that's what we're doing over these weeks together, just simply looking to Jesus, staying in Hebrews chapter 3, that first phrase, verse 1, to consider Jesus, to fix your thoughts on Jesus, to think carefully about Jesus. As one translation says, take a good hard look at Jesus, who he is, what's his heart, what's his action. So that's going to be what we're doing this morning and going just for a few minutes before uh, communion this morning, looking at Hebrews. You know that, that, that book well. Ben's taught it at small groups. I've taught it on Wednesdays. Those first couple of chapters, chapters 1 through 4, 13, looking at the majesty, the supremacy of his person. But then from 4.13 uh, on through chapter 10.18, the supremacy or the majesty, uh, majesty of his ministry and his work. The author of Hebrews has talk, talks a lot about many things, about our endurance, about who we're supposed to be. But really the heart of it is the uniqueness and the supremacy and majesty of Jesus. And we see that here. If you look at our passage this morning in Hebrews chapter 3, the author is saying, whoever the author of Hebrews is, he's saying that, yes, Moses was faithful, and he did a good work. And in some sense, it suggested, yes, he gets some kind of honor, some kind of, of glory. And, and Gary Cockrell, who will be with us this Wednesday, says, Moses is the greatest person in the Old Testament. I mean, this is the one who saw God face uh, to face, in a sense. Verse 5, you see that word, different words you'll have in your translations. He's a steward. He's a servant in God's house, but verse 6. Yes, Jesus is a servant. Yes. Yes, he's a steward. Yes. Verse 6. Jesus is a son. The very son of God. And he is not just in God's house. In and with God's people, he is over the house of God. 
When you get to verse 4, go back to verse 4, and it can be a little bit tricky, but what the author is affirming here is that Jesus is doing the work of God. What he's doing is affirming that this Jesus is divine. He's affirming the deity of Jesus. Again, verse 1, he is apostle, he is high priest, and I love how, how uh, Renee brought this up from the readings uh, in the devotional guide. In the message, Eugene Peterson translates it this way, he is the centerpiece of of everything. I got to take the Gospel of Mark class from Dr. Gary Cockrell 20 years ago, but he, he had shared a year or two ago on social media that he was teaching his class on the Gospel of Mark, and he asked the class, all right, what is this healing, or what is this teaching, or what is this, this event, what does this say about the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus? What does it say? Crickets. Again, class, what does this say about Jesus? This healing or whatever it was, a teaching, what does it say? Crickets. Finally, a girl in the back of the class says, it speaks to the authority of Jesus. Yes, thank you. This moment in this Bible, in this gospel, speaks to the authority of Jesus. And he just went on a tangent for an hour. After the class was over, the woman came up to Dr. Cockrell and says, Dr. Cockrell, I'm going to confess to you I wasn't listening to a word you said. <laughs> but I heard your question, what does it say about Jesus? Everything in the Gospel of Mark you have taught us speaks to the authority of Jesus. He is over all. Servant, yes, over all. Everything in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is supreme. He's unique. He is over all. All. You go back to chapter 1, he's over the prophets, he's over the angels. And this is the beauty of our Savior in chapter 2. He was even made lower for a season. Became flesh and blood that he might give that away for us. Which makes him and, and confirms for us he is over all. That he would do that. Humble himself. It's no wonder that Paul would say in Colossians, Jesus is supreme over all creation. He is first in everything and so anytime you and i bump into a reminder about that anytime we come to a passage that celebrates yes jesus is first jesus is supreme what's our response to that as we honestly look at our lives every time we take this meal but every time we open his revelation to us what is our response where is it how is it that you and i have met missed the supremacy of Jesus. Is there a place in our hearts, a place in our life, a place in our work, a place in our family, a place in our spending, a place in our recreation, a place in our, our dating or our singleness or our marriage or our parenting? Where, where is it where we have missed that he is over it all? Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest, greater, one of the best preachers ever, said, I sometimes wonder that you do not get tired of my preaching because I do nothing but hammer away on this one nail. With me it is, year after year, none. None but Jesus. None but Jesus. So we begin a new year as we see what's presented to us in Hebrews 3 and really the whole book. How is it you and I can say to him today, none but Jesus? you it's going to be 
you. You'll be over my work. You'll be over my fears and anxiety. I give you authority and lordship over my words and my attitudes, whatever it might be. Scholar Raymond Brown says when he comes to Hebrews, he says there's no casual, easygoing presentation of Christianity in these chapters. He is supreme. He has all majesty. If you and I have missed that, as Corey reminded us this morning, there's grace here. Meet him here and receive that anew. If you need help and hope, as Hebrews talks about over and over again, for endurance, to hold fast, to not shrink back, and you need that encouragement, come to this table and receive that as well. Or maybe, maybe we come this morning and, and, and just to say, I want his fullness. Many of us, either in high school or college or on our own, read that sermon by Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But I love this other word that he penned. I want to be full of God alone. You hungry for that? I was standing right over there Christmas Eve, and we were serving as people were coming through. Thank you all for your attendance. It was amazing. Uh, Advent has, it was just a wonderful, deep time of worship. So one of the Christmas Eves, I can't remember if it was 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock, but I was standing right over there because I remember this. As, these, as this one family was coming by, they were carrying probably a two-, three-, four-year-old child, and I offered that child the bread, and the child said to me, no, thank you, I'm full. <laughs> you full? Sometimes we can be full of ourselves, full of busyness, full of other priorities. The author of Hebrews says, high priest, apostle, centerpiece of everything. He'll meet us here, and he'll fill us with himself. We celebrate that, and all of that's made possible through what he offered to us on his cross and through his resurrection. So we come to this table again, reminding ourselves that Christ invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. We remember together that on the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.